I hope everybody's doing as well as I am because I am so happy to be back live doing things like this rather than just kind of hanging out on uh, on Zoom or something like that. I've got with me today for lessons from the front. And normally I, I kind of start off and I go, you know, hey, welcome America, but it doesn't feel right. I'll just say welcome Dallas to the front. Lessons from the front. My name is Todd Boating. I am the host of Carry the Load's Lesson from the Front. And today I have with me a very special guest, a man who really needs no introduction, but I'm going to kind of introduce you a little bit if that's okay, Sal. So this, this gentleman here is Sal Junta. Okay, Sal is from Iowa. There's a lot of jokes we can make about that, but we're not, we're not going to start off that just yet. Sal came from uh, Iowa. He uh, served in the 173rd Airborne Regiment. And I've got to ask you a question about Battle Company here in a little bit, like why Battle and not Bravo? You guys are different in the Army. So he was, uh, Sal was injured on July 10, 2005 in uh, Kabul, Providence of Afghanistan, shot in the left calf. Forrest Gump wound. That was a Forrest Gump wound. And so uh, then he went on to probably what most of you know him for, October the 25th, 2007, actions also in uh, Afghanistan. They were conducting a patrol in Afghanistan when they were ambushed by a lot of bad guys. And Sal can tell us all about that, but at the same time, I've actually prompted Sal to tell us about some more things too if he wishes. So first of all, Sal, welcome to Lessons from the Front. Thanks for having me, Todd. So the way I like to always start things like this is I want to know who was Sal prior to the military? Well, Sal before the military was uh, a super excited, highly motivated, less convinced that winning was key, but more excited about fun is now uh, kind of guy. I would, I'll start a food fight. And you won't find me at the end of the food fight, uh, but I promise you, I threw the first part of food. Uh, I, I love fun. I grew up in Iowa, right? Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Do the good thing for others. But at the end of the day, have fun. That's it. That's life, right? It, be successful. Do good things for others. And, and when you do good things for others, good things happen to you. That was me. So you weren't exactly a wonderful student if I did my homework correctly. And, and your dad's here. Well, yeah, I know my dad's here, so that's crazy. Uh, no, I was like, uh, I think the grades show it. I was like a C student, not a bad student, uh, but I was a fun student. And I did listen sooner or later. As long as you told me enough times, I was for sure to follow the directions. I, you know, for, for me, life was so good in Iowa that if you try hard and you do and, and you try to be successful, you will be successful almost always. And so... Uh, to say that you'd want me on your team in a group project, I'll probably pull less than, than my load. Uh, but I promise you, I'll See stand average. there with a smile on my face when we get our grade, and I'll be like, we're part of a team. So did you grow up with that Iowa mentality that, uh, I mean, just a farm boy mentality of work hard, work hard, it's all about, it's all about uh, having the right character and working hard? Where I grew up in Iowa was a city of 120,000 folks, right? You're going to run into your neighbors again. And it is obvious that working hard does pay off. But it was never obvious that 
some people just get lucky. I think I think when we look around in the Metroplex today, right, there's more people in, in in the 635 loop than there is in the state of Iowa. And not even kind of, it's like three times more people in the 635 loop than there is in the state of Iowa. And so is that, is that right? It's pretty close. Wow. I don't, I didn't realize like that. Two million in Iowa. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, the, the loop is growing. I, it's growing crazy. Uh, I think so, that's what, what drew us down here, right? There's opportunity. There's almost endless opportunity. There's people that are willing to say, hey, if you, if you want to chase a dream, chase it. If you want to chase it, chase it here in Dallas. And, and so, it got exciting. That's what brought us here. So one of the things that I saw or one of the things that I read was you, you really attribute everything that you are today to all of the people that you grew up around. I mean, like the whole community. And, and, and if I remember correctly, I'm going to paraphrase you here. You give them credit for all the wonderful things you've done unless until it becomes something that was a mistake. And then you take full responsibility for that. That to me is the ultimate level of humility. It's not humility. It's not humility, it's just honesty, right? When I screw up, I usually screw up alone. But when I am successful, I am successful with many of those around me. And, and at best I could say that I'm a product of my environment, Todd. And I, I, I'm looking at this group right here. We, we all have people that are supporting us more than we even know, right? To our left, to our right, those that are leading us, our parents that brought us here, and those that, that will remember this for the days to come. and, and whether they hold it against us that we didn't learn the lesson the first time or they teach us the lesson again. That's what it's about. And so much of my experience is not about what I did, but it's always about what we did. And it's not what I wanted to do. I promise you, there's a lot of things that I did I didn't want to go do, but there was someone saying, hey, let's go do this. And my answer is, I'll follow you. And so it's about those that are around you. We are very communal based, right? We are very tribal people. But when you're around the right people doing the right things for the right reasons, you tend to be in the right place for the right time doing the right thing. And I promise you, I didn't bring myself there. I just went with the group. I, I tried to surround myself with like-minded people that brought me to the good place. So what took you to the military? You know, you, because uh, if I remember correctly, you don't have a whole lot of military in your family. No, you know, I was a junior in high school, September 11th, 2001, and I was sitting in chemistry class, and it was early morning. I had this early morning chemistry because that's when the smart kids take chemistry, and uh, that's how you get on good groups and lab partners and stuff, and I'm, I'm smarter than I look sometimes, and so to surround yourself by great people, you got to do what great people do, and they, they show up early, they stay late, and they work hard early in the morning so they can accomplish more than the rest of us can accomplish by nine, and it was, I was sitting in chemistry class, and someone came and knocked on the door and said, you know, uh, a plane just flew into a building in New York. And, and the idea was that, and, and my mind was that this accident, this tragedy happened. And then as we watched, it became apparent that it, it wasn't an accident. It was, it was an attack. It was not an attack on our camouflage-wearing military, uh, like a Pearl Harbor. It was an attack on our way of life. It was on our, our, on our friends and families in New York. I have no friends, no family. I have tons of friends in New York. I have no family in New York. But to say that this is what spurred us, it was an attack on innocence. And that should not stand, that will not stand. And as long as strong people stand up for it, it shall never stand. So when you saw that, you're, you're like a lot of Americans at that time, except you couldn't, you couldn't do anything about it right then. So was it a foregone conclusion that when you saw that, you were going to end up in the military? No, because I called my mom, right? That's the, 
I still have pay phones and brick cell phones and stuff. And my mom said, I told her, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but like the world's falling apart and we're going to go to war and things are going to happen. And I'm going to join the army, I think. I think they'll take me. I'm pretty sure they'll take me. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And my mom said, Salvatore, absolutely not. You're 17 years old. You're going to finish high school. And then if you want to do that after you finish high school, you can. I'm like, well, once I turn 18, I can do whatever I want. I know this. You can tell me whatever you want. But my, my goal all of a sudden became, it stopped being so much about the I, I, I and the me, me, me. But it started being about the we, we, we and the us, us, us. And when we start thinking broader about the idea of service, I thought they need people. I'm a person. They need strong people. I'll be strong for them. They need people to go far away and do tough stuff. I'll do it. It's about that idea of, of volunteering, about service. That is true service. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to happen with camouflage and guns. It has to happen through care and compassion and saying, if it's not me, then who? If not now, then when? So why the Army? What was it about the Army that drew you versus another branch? Was there anything in particular? Have we talked about this, Todd? We have not. <laughs> I just knew I could probably ask a question like this and I'm stick an in a good-natured ribbon. I want to join the Marine Corps. I want to slay lava dragons with a sword. I did. And I walked in. The guy said, I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, Pfft. Dude, I'm pretty sure I'm smarter than you. I'm just going to go next door. And I went next door to the Air Force, and they were super smart. And they were moving boxes of paper. And I was like, that's not that smart. <laughs> that's also not what I want to do. I um, came here to carry a sword, slay lava dragons, kill bad guys, change the world, win the war. Uh, and the Army was like, hey, you want to jump out of plane, spit, swear, fight bad guys, leave Iowa? Yeah. Join the army. I was like, I will join the army. In fact, you should see what's down the hall. That stuff is crazy. I got a question, so this Marine recruiter. <laughs> hey, hey <laughs> you, you should. You know, my head didn't fit in the jar, too. My head's very awkwardly shaped. Here we go. So Here we go. It's, all, it's always just a matter no of time, how folks. how hard I forced it wasn't going to fit in, but it's okay. But, but I think that's it, right? We're, we're all drawn towards something. I wanted a sword. We don't fight with swords. We should not fight with swords. That's dangerous. <laughs> but I want you to know that it's about those inspiring others. That's what leadership is. It's not about saying you can't make it unless that's the sort of leadership they need. I promise you, I don't need that. I'll just do whatever you say the opposite of, and then the plan is to be bigger, faster, stronger than you, and then tell you that I'm your boss. And so everyone learns in a different way, right? And when I went into the Marine Corps, that was my choice. Uh, they treated me what I felt like was inappropriate. And now if they saw me on the street, they would salute me. And that's not me. That's my guys. That's the army. Right. Sorry. Well, and, and, and <laughs> hey, you know what? We've got our, we've got our small percentage that uh, we'd like to throw back. But uh, uh, I, I can say on behalf of the Marine Corps, we screwed that one up. You didn't. You didn't because you made me. That's what it is. Trials and tribulations. If you are successful in everything you do, how can you show resiliency? How can you show perseverance? And it's when you get turned down, what do you do? I got turned down. I joined the Army. It was awesome for me. I grew up in Europe, right? My weekends were in, in Rome. My weekends were in Austria. My weekends were in Germany. It was awesome. I met my wife in Italy who's also from Iowa. None of these things would have happened without that happening. Yes. And so it, it's just one of these things that is the process of life. We have to go through these hard times so we can celebrate the good times. We have to celebrate the good times because we will suffer again. Okay, so you mentioned Italy, and, and obviously uh, with a name like Salvatore Genta, you're, you've, you've got a little bit of Italian blood in you. 
Now, all the guys I was in the Marine Corps with that were Italian, they all had cool nicknames like, you know, Todd the Elbow Battaglia and, and Fat Tom Citrano and Sammy the Spoon Sincata. These were all the nicknames that they gave each other. What was your nickname? Oh, well, this is a family deal. So when I'm doing really good, I'm like G-Money. Uh, when we I'm we not had a G-Money, too. G-Money, maybe, because they're not going to figure out the rest of the vowels in there. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the worst case scenario I can't even talk about, right? Okay. I mean, the majority of what I answered to was anything that sounded like someone needed someone. That's the infantry, <laughs> right? Like, well, someone's mad. It's, you know what? I got the rank that says they're probably mad at me. I'll turn around and take this one. <laughs> so let's transition to your military service. So you, all along, you wanted to go into the infantry. You ended up in Airborne, obviously part of the infantry. Was, w would you say on the whole, your experience was what you thought it was going to be, or did it exceed or fall short of your expectations? I don't think you can, you can expect whatever you want, but I don't think what you expect is ever what you get, right? It's what you make of it. It's about when you put yourself so far out on a limb, what happens next? And no one knows because no one went that far out on a limb or the last person that did left and stayed gone. And so for me, I, I didn't have anyone in the military. I'm in Iowa, right? And so this war says that I should join, and I, I want to join, I want to participate, and I think I like hitting people a little bit, and so maybe the infantry is probably more for me, and then the opportunity of we can go anywhere in the world sounds really neat, and, but it was never one thing or the other. But I think what actually shaped, obviously, my community growing up, but what shaped me who I am in the military was my leaders, right? Those that take you under the wing and say, don't do this and you can do this. See this, this is right, this is wrong. Uh, those that say show up at 545 and they're there, they're there at 530, right? Those that set the precedence. And I, that, is, that is what I saw in Italy. When I showed up to Italy, I actually met uh, 1,200 combat infantrymen and they all had a little star on their airborne wings because they jumped into Iraq March 26, 2003. I did, I've done a million push-ups because I didn't jump into Iraq March 26, 2003 with them. I was in high school, sorry I couldn't get out and I joined as soon as I could, but it's about creating that legacy, right? It's always bigger than the individual and I think that's what makes the military so powerful is that it's not what I can do for me, it's what I can do for you. Right. And what the person next to you can do for you and what the person on the other side can do for us. And all of a sudden, when we start looking out for so many people around us, we become better. It is truly a, a, a team. And we, we do incredible things that are otherwise unexplainable without the idea of a team that is willing to sacrifice it all. Todd, we, we sit here on a, on a Sunday and Memorial Day, and I'm standing on the backs of giants. I've seen the biggest, the fastest, the bravest, the most selfless people that we could ever meet. And they're not here with us. I've walked with them in the mountains of Afghanistan, and, and they're not here. They never had the chance to have a wife or children. And I know what it means because I am enjoying it now at this point in my life. Ten years later, I get to sit here and know that there's no better life than we have right now. And the only thing that I can attribute this great life to is those that gave everything, every single one of their tomorrows for our today. And they do it, they did it so we can have every single today we get to enjoy. It's something so powerful, that this idea of service. And I never understood it until the military told me that we are better together than we are separate. You know, 
you, you said uh, in an interview that you were just an average soldier, mediocre at best. And then you follow, the, the, the reporter questioned that. I mean, for crying out loud, you've received the Medal of Honor. How can you just be an average, mediocre soldier? And your answer was beautiful. You didn't answer that directly. What you said was, just imagine how good the really good ones are. And I thought to myself, I mean, I get chills thinking about that because that shows to me the level of your humility. It's not humility. But it's it, not humility. It's I honesty. disagree. It is. It, it may be honest, but if, it's. If we played golf and I beat you, I'd tell everyone I beat you in golf. If we played softball and I struck you out, I'd tell everyone I struck you out. If I did something that I did, I would tell you what I did. If if I don't, I'm not going to do it. And that's not humility. That's honesty. That is true. I, I, don't, I don't actually want to just portray this idea of the greater group. I'm telling you that I wouldn't be anything without the greater group. It's just honesty. Well, first of all, you're not going to beat me in golf or strike me out, so let's go on record right there with that one. But is there... We're going to have to meet again, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you put a challenge. Oh, it's out there. So you experienced a lot. A lot. A lot more than the average American. Is there any particular thing, story, experience from your time in service that you carry with you to this day as a reminder, as some kind of, of lesson that you pass on to your children, that you pass on to others whenever you have their ear? I, th I think there's not one lesson, right? I'm a chatty Kathy, right? I'll tell you all sorts of stories all day, and I won't start that I got a story to tell you because I got like 20 stories to tell you. I'm just not going to let you tell me another story. I'll just keep on telling them, right? <laughs> and so, but it's about, it's about, Caring so much it hurts not to do the right thing. It's about worrying, putting others in front of you. And it's not because you believe they're better. It's because without them, we're not as good as we would be. And when all of a sudden you start including more people in your circle, when you start, when you start believing in other people, because I'd say this guy has probably, a, 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 he's not that great, but he has the ability to improve 90%. You say, well, this guy's really good. He has the ability to prove 10%. Well, guess what? We have our greatest force multiplier and the guy that has, or the person who has the opportunity to improve 90%. I would say that it's never over until you quit trying. That's it. Hands down. I don't care. You get an F in school. Guess what? Retake the course. You get a, you get a D. Guess what? It's better than the F. Retake the course. It's only over when things become, when they seem insurmountable and all of a sudden you say, I don't want to do it again. Because this is America. You can go bankrupt and become a millionaire the next day. It's about continuing to try and say that no matter what happens, I'm going to put my pants back on, I'm going to put my shoes back on, I'm going to go back out there and try to do something for others that, that hasn't been done. And I think we see it every day now. I, this, we've been at this war for 20 years. The greatest among us. We talk about them today. We need to talk about them more. My children will never know the people that I talk about, but they will know their names, right? They will know the story of them. It's about always achieving more than you can achieve, and you can't do it alone. I promise you, it takes us. Would you share one of those names with us right now? Oh, I, I, I got a So, Brennan, Josh Brennan's always there on my mind. Uh, always think about Hugo Mendoza, right? Hugo was our medic. I remember seeing Hugo, and he's new to the Army, and 
always like Hugo because I showed up. I was doing this like breacher course or something, and I sh so I show up late to this month long. We're in Germany, and Hugo was laying on a box springs without the mattress, and I'm like, dude, what? Do you, who are you, and why are you here? I know everyone, and you're not the guy. Why are you here, and why are you why are you acting all stupid on that? And he's like, I'm the medic. Dude, you're the medic. You don't here. I'll give you my bed. Trust me, you're, you're more important than whatever they just gave you. <laughs> and so, so Mendoza was like uh, 31 when he joined the army, and he's a medic. This is the heart of service, right? Everyone in the military serves. The medic serves when the bullets are flying. They set the gun down and they focus on the person. I am, I am actually have trouble and mostly incapable of doing that because we talk about addressing the greater cause. And if it's the gunfight, then it's the gunfight. But if it's helping this person, it's this person. These medics, they know where their heart is. They know it's all about the person. And, and for me to see Mendoza be all about the person, uh, the night we got caught up was in a near ambush. And I promise you, Mendoza doesn't run forward because he runs forward to fight. He runs forward because he loves. He loves and he knows that there's people that need him. And the medic will always be the heaviest in my heart for Memorial Day because it wasn't about the gun. Some of us choose the, the gunfighter way and you live by the gun, sometimes you die by the gun and we can understand that. We have to always respect that. The medic never once said they live by the gun, they said they live by their brothers and they love them. And so Mendoza, Restrepo and Cannon were all medics that we had that all all lost their lives in the global war on terror, and they, they sit heavy on me. They probably sit the heaviest on me, not because they were better, but because their hearts were more pure. So Restrepo, I, I wasn't, wasn't expecting you to bring his name up, and I don't know why, but Restrepo was, uh, um, has had quite a few things. He's left quite a legacy. Tell us a little bit about Restrepo and, and for those who are not uh, familiar with him. You know, Restrepo was 2nd Platoon's medic and uh, we were in the 6 kilometer by 6 kilometer valley. There's about 135 of us and we spent 15 months there. And so, you know everyone because you either see him through the glass or uh, you run into him. And it's the heart of a medic, right? And when we first got into country, Restrepo was killed. And Restrepo was a new guy. And how do you honor someone? You know someone that was going to be there for you for everything, and they lost their everything that day. And how do you honor someone? So uh, they named a, an outpost after a strapo. And that's it, right? I, we sit here, and Memorial Day weekend is so often forgot. It becomes this, it's the start of summer, it's barbecue season, it's something else. And the fact that we can come out here put a load of weight on our back or sit amongst people that care. People that aren't about, they don't need to be camouflaging guns, they need to be about care and compassion, about memories, about those that did it before us, those that are doing it now, and those that will carry the torch far after we're gone. I think that is, that is the legacy of the Army Medic and that is always the legacy of Restrepo. So, on that fateful day in October, you know, again, you, you may call it honesty. I'm going to keep calling it humility because to me that's one of the, that, that is one of the things that you can say about somebody above and beyond everything else because it encompasses so many positive things. 
what caused you to run forward into the ambush to rescue your brother? That's exactly what we trained. The answer is not a question. The answer is I see this and this and this happening and therefore this has to happen. And the cost is if three out of every four go down, it's a tough beat, but the military will celebrate it. That's how you defend a near ambush situation. And it's not about the numbers. It's not about the love. It's not about the compassion. It's, that's what we're trained. And when we train that, it actually is kind of sad. Sometimes you're like, oh, man, like if this happens, we're, we're, we're screwed. It's, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a terrible day. And then we get in it, and you realize the training was harder than the, the actual task. And it doesn't have the same result. At the end, you do an after-action review and the training, and you talk about what you could have done better and how you could have done it better and what they did and what you did in the whole scenario. Because of this, though, we trained for this, and we all know the scale's tilted against us. And the answer is there's more boxes to check than people to check them. And so we need, we need a few people to check a lot of boxes, and we got to check them. The quicker we check these boxes, the sooner we can get on to the next task. And that's the near ambush. And so why did I do what I did is because that's exactly what we trained. Why did I do what we did is because that's where love comes from, right? They're not my, they're not my biological brothers, but I've bled with them more than my own brother. I've sweated with them more than my own brother. I've, I've starved with them more than my own brother. I've been tired with them more than my own brother. It doesn't make my brother any less my brother. It, may, it just makes them my brother. That's it. We do it, we do it for others because we care. That's why we're here today. It's not, it's not because I need to be here. It's because we need to be here. It's because this is so much bigger than ourselves. The only reason why the, the American flag is so majestic to me is because it has 50 stars on it, because it represents 50 states, because it doesn't just represent today, but it represents yesterday and the years gone by. It's because we are creating something here that has never been created and will never be recreated more than likely, and that every individual plays a part in it, both good and bad. We can all play a part, I promise you. Even the worst play a part, they just play a negative part. Now, who are you going to be and why are you going to play that role? And when we all go out and just say, I'm going to be better than my father was, I'm going to be better than yesterday, or I'm going to be better than last year, we are improving the future. And the fact that that is always on the table, the fact that we can always throw the dice one more time because we've been given that opportunity, it's awesome. It's unlike any other place in the world, America, and what we have, and our people and our opportunities. And it's not because of me, and it's not because of you, but it is because of we, and it is because of us. It's because of those that no longer walk this earth because they gave everything for it. How can you not get fired up about that? Oh, I'm fired up right now. There's no question, my friend. The Medal of Honor is a, is a heavy medal. And you know, I was recently speaking with uh, Herschel Woody Williams, his grandson uh, is, is here with us today. And one of the things that he talked about, um, when he received his Medal of Honor from the President, and then he goes to see the uh, Commandant of the Marine Corps, the Commandant made it very clear to him, this medal is not for you. This medal is for all those who didn't make it home. I think I got that right, Chad. Um, and of course, the Commandant of the Marine Corps at that time was also a Medal of Honor recipient, so he was able to put it into a perspective that very few could. 
you actually took your Medal of Honor and gave it to your unit. Is that correct? It is. It, it's a heavy responsibility. And for me, to wear it is embarrassing. I am embarrassed of myself to wear it. Because Why? I, I, because Why I know, on earth could because, you be embarrassed? Because I know the biggest and I know the bravest and I know the fastest and I know the strongest and I know those that went out there every single day and I know those times where I didn't want to go out and we had to go out and I promise you I was forced out because that's what they do. And it wasn't me. And, and to wear a recognition of our nation's finest can only be worn if we wear it. And this, the crazy thing is, is it only fits around one neck. And it became, it has become too heavy for me to carry alone. And I think, I think this namesake of why we're here, right? It is, it is carrying the load. And it is, it's never been me. I haven't gone to the bathroom alone in the military in eight years. Uh, you just don't get to do something alone. You always got someone to your left and to your right, but we do it. And as long as we become recognized for what was accomplished, it's tolerable. But to be singled out, it's never been good. It's never been positive for me. And, and although this is a very positive thing, it wasn't me. It was us. A near ambush is a crappy situation. Near ambush says everyone's screwed. And we weren't. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of us. All those boxes that I said before that had to be checked by a very few amount of people, they all got checked. And I checked like one. And that's what I'm getting recognized for. But I couldn't check box four without box one, two, and three being checked. And that's the idea of service. That's the idea of showing up. It's not about necessarily being the greatest person. It's about being there more than everyone else. Being there first, staying there last. And, and that sounds awkward, right? It, it sounds painful. It doesn't sound awkward. It just sounds a little painful. But that's what leaders do. The good leaders do. And they instill confidence in individuals. And when the individual says, I can change the tide of this fight, I can change the tide of this situation, they do things that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have done. And all of a sudden, we live in a greater world than we could ever live without them. I don't know about you guys, but honesty and humility sound a lot alike to me. How about you? So your, your career does not just stop in the, in the military. Do you miss it? Yeah, every day. I mean, it's the friendships. That's what I miss, right? Right. Or some of the blame something on sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's better when there's five of you. Like, I think it was him. Might have been me, but I don't think so. It's probably him, <laughs> right? That's teamwork. So we'll I'll take a little blame. Then it's not so bad. Yeah, I'd, I don't, I don't even know where to go with that one, Sal. So yeah, I'm just don't go anywhere that else. Alone. That ends right there. <laughs> How are you continuing to serve uh, this great country today? I, I'm always looking for the next thing, Todd. I, I, I know it's not camouflage, and it doesn't have to be guns. It can be. It absolutely 100% can be. But I don't think for me it's going to be that. It's going to be about supporting those that continue to serve. It's going to be about supporting the causes that matter, right? I think... Time, talent, and treasure. That's what we have to give. Some have a lot, some have a little of a little and or, or a lot of that, but I think we all have something. And my goal would be to participate, right? Show up, be accounted for. I got a bag over there, 35 pounds. I'm just gonna walk it on the trail, not because I need to, but because I want to. I need to fill some weight too. We have to, 
Because it's the hard days that remind you of the good days. And it's the good days that make you miss, that, that'll make you be like, hey, we're getting soft, right, in our old age. I, I'm feeling soft. We are. I've only been to 55 countries in the world, and so I can't say I've been to them all. I have not, but I've been to a good fair share, and some of them are really good, and some of them aren't so good. This is by far, hands down, the best. And it has nothing to do with the land. And I do believe the land's pretty good. Let's take the land completely out. It's just the people. And it's because here we, an individual, can change the future because they care. That's actually fairly rare in the second world and third world. And in the first world, you actually probably got to come from some sort of prestige or you got a coup d'etat and it's all, it's all bad. Here, we can do it because we care. We can lead with our heart and change the world. It's pretty darn special. And it's happening here. I think it's happening this weekend. I, I'll look out and, you know, you meet some of the Gold Star families. You meet some of the folks that have been on the, been on the highways or been on the trails and with their buddies and have lost it. And it's not that they need to be here, but being around like-minded people, moving in the right direction for the right reasons at the right time, all of a sudden we spark this thing that's greater than any of us could ever do because we're all doing it. That's it. Service before self. The, the amount of doors that close are far, great, or far smaller than the amount of doors that open when you put others in front of yourself. Sal, that was very well said, man. And, and I, I got to tell you, you uh, every time I sit down with you, you impress me more and more. And I think the reason that you do is you're always putting others out there. I mean, every, every time I hear you talk, you're, you're, you're looking at everybody out here and you're, you're giving lessons as we go. I'm looking for a story that I can pull a nugget out of, but yet I got so many nuggets in everything you said. Every time I talk to you, I, I'm impressed more and more. So I want to thank you for being a part of this. I want to thank you for humbling us with your presence because that's what you're doing. And you're a great American. And I just want to know one final question. Who are you carrying out there today? This is a very emotional weekend for me, Todd. And so the name any name seems like I'm carrying less than I should because they carry all of us. That's why we're here. They have carried the burden of all of us. And so that's what I want to carry. I, I will carry the memory of all those that have given their life because I, any... It would be shortchanging the majority to name my favorites, although I have my favorites, but it doesn't distract from what they all gave, and they gave everything. And they oh, didn't even all know us. That's the amazing thing. The majority thing. of them didn't. It, it's something, to, to be able to give everything for people you don't know is, I understand it, but I have never done. Respect. Well, honor something it, that's all we can give it's it i think it's everything we can give to them well sal i think it's time for me to kind of cut you loose here so that we can get out on the trail but uh ladies and gentlemen how about a big round of applause medal of honor recipient sal junta